You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Liberty 87-48 to at Simon Scott Assembly Hall uh, in a game that was truly never in doubt as Indiana jumped out to a huge early lead. Uh, led 36 to seven at one point in the second half or in the first half and cruised to the easy victory. My bold prediction on our radio show was a 40 point victory uh, and the Hoosiers came oh so close. If Tim Priller could have just made one of those free throws there at the end of the game, the Hoosiers would have won by 40. Uh, but it was also a game that was marred by one very, very, very huge negative which, of course, we will talk about on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined this evening by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we will begin tonight, as we always do, with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment came in the first half, and I thought Indiana really came out tonight and just played really, really hard with a lot of effort and played terrific on the defensive end of the floor. And I thought OG Ananobi really keyed that. And, you know, there are a couple, you know, big highlight plays that he had in the first half, a couple huge blocks. You know, the Indiana Twitter account tweeted out that cool 3D uh, look at, at one of his blocks and he swatted it out uh, into the stands. But I thought there was another play that, that showed just the subtle attention to detail and defensive instincts that OG has that make him such a great defender. Uh, and there was a play where, uh, you know, Liberty had the ball out toward the top of the key and they dumped it inside to a guy. And just because of Indiana's defensive rotations, everything was a little bit discombobulated. But OG made a great rotation over to the block and was able to challenge the shot. And what would have been a wide open layup against Indiana, maybe early last season or the season before, was a contested shot, ended up missing. And it was all because OG saw what was happening on the opposite end of the court, made a great, smart rotation over, and then, of course, has the athleticism and the length to alter the shot. And it's those kinds of defensive plays, number one, that allow this team, as we've talked about before, to kind of hide a guy like James Blackman Jr. a little bit more and not be so taken advantage of uh, when he maybe has some of his defensive lapses. But it's just those little things on a possession-by-possession basis that I think are going to make this team a really good defensive team. And I know that the numbers didn't look great against Kansas and the defense on the whole wasn't great against UMass Lowell. But the big positive to take tonight was how good Indiana was on the defensive end. Uh, And I thought that moment in particular really stood out to me because we have such a terrific individual defender in a guy like OG Ananobi. Those are the kind of plays that help you win Big Ten championships down the road. And those are the kind of plays that can help you move on uh, from one round of the NCAA tournament to the next. Just those subtle little things plays. Uh, and OG, I thought we're, we'll talk about him. I thought he did the big things well, the little things well. It was really a terrific night all around uh, for OG and Nobi. Uh, all righty. So, as always, tonight's banner moment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All righty, let's move the ball, get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will go to you for your bottoms line on tonight's IU victory. Well, I might as well address the uh, elephant in the room with the turnovers, and that was really, uh, you know, the only negative uh, or one of the the few negatives you could come up with in a game where IU never trailed. Uh, but twenty six turnovers for the game, and that was with only nine in the second half. And and I guess only nine doesn't sound uh, very good for a half, but when you have seventeen in the first half, um, I, I guess it feels like an improvement. If you look at IU's points per possession 
uh, on the possessions where they didn't turn the ball over. It was one point. I think it finished at 1.64, 1.65, something like that, which is uh, really impressive. Though it was a while, it was hovering around two uh, at that point. And it was just, uh, you know, I know you mentioned this on Twitter a little bit that you thought some of the early ones were just trying to, you know, trying too hard, you know, effort based. Um, I think those quickly transitioned into just sloppiness and and things like that. And And I guess that's, uh, to be expected to a certain extent in a game like this where you're up so much uh, for so long. But that was, um, you know, really going to be the story and and something you can't get away with uh, in other games. Now, I did point out that Liberty came into the game fifth in defensive turnover rate, uh, according to Ken Palm. So IU doing their best to push uh, Liberty up to number one. We'll see where they shake out after this game. But, you know, that is something they do. They uh, their coach came from uh, was at Virginia for a while and uh, instituted the same pack line defense they run there. I think some of that gave IU uh, trouble as they you know committed a bunch of charges and a lot of turnovers by the baseline, which that defense is going to do. But uh, you know that being said, uh, it, it's pretty rough to to watch some of that when uh, it was it was feast or famine truly when the offense was a well oiled machine when they could hang onto the ball long enough to get a shot up. All righty. Well, Ryan, it is time for your rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Uh, Andy took the turnovers, but, you know, on a night like tonight when the turnovers are so bad, feel free to rant about them again if you like. I, yeah, I think that it's just sloppiness in general was what I took away from this game. Um, look, Indiana completely dominated there. You know, so we're, what we what we're doing here is nitpicking because when you win by 39 you shoot 60 almost 61% from the field. You out-rebound the other team 55 to 20. Uh, you got to find problems with it uh and and there were and and this is you know indiana beating a team destroying a team it should destroy but it was sloppy and it was not what i'm sure tom crean wanted to see i mean thomas bryant by himself had seven turnovers james blackman jr had five uh josh newkirk had four those are guys who should not be turning the ball over you know i mean those are guys who are going to have the ball in their hands a lot and they cannot be doing that now i i get it the the pack line defense is designed for that and Indiana tried to work inside out more tonight something we've been harping on them but against a pack line defense that's really difficult and and that was what uh you know they 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 walked sort of right into what the pack line sort of dares you to do is 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 drive on it and 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 where Indiana made its money to to really start opening the defense up was when it started finally hitting some threes so yeah it, it was it was sloppy but at the same time it's a Saturday night game and the non-conference against a relatively awful team but to be fair if they go on the road to you know Fort Wayne and come out slow and sluggish and and don't you know engage and don't make the smart plays and turn the ball over a bunch you never know what's going to happen on the road early in the season so this team needs to have some more bounce in its step the crowd was I thought for the most part, awful tonight at Assembly Hall. It was just dead silent. So that didn't help, uh, especially when you've got a young team without a you know a central guy yet who's stepped up to to be the emotional heart. I know Thomas Bryant's getting there, but he's he can't be the only guy. And and so I, I just think that there were a couple things working against Indiana in this one, and it and it they you know the Hoosiers kind of played into that and and you know lost focus lost concentration and you're right Jared early on those those turnovers were aggressive turnovers and generally I'm fine with them but later in the second half it was a lot of carelessness and and that has to change so uh, I have a feeling these guys are gonna be running a lot of suicides or sprints or something this week because 26 turnovers is just far too many for anybody no, it is. And I, that's to me what's frustrating about this game because I really felt like this team came out to kick some ass tonight. I mean, they really did. And getting out to that 36-7 to lead, again, the defense was terrific. So it's not like they just came out and weren't kind of paying attention to, you know, to detail, that kind of thing. Those early turnovers really trying to do too much, but it did then evolve into sloppiness. So here's my question for you guys. Because, you know, I think part of that was the opposition just wasn't putting up much resistance and you get up 36 to seven on a, you know, on a Saturday night, you lose a little bit of focus, but there's a lot of these games coming up, you know, and the problem is if you get into bad habits in these games, it might carry over. You can't just flip a switch, turn it over 26 times tonight and then go and play Fort Wayne and expect that everything is going to be different because now you're on the road. Sure. It probably, I'm sure Indiana's not going to turn over 30 plus percent of the time. It'll normalize itself some, but we've talked about how important it is for this team to get the turnovers back under 20% and they feel so far away from that now. 
So, Ryan, what do, you, what do you do when you have so many games like this where even if Indiana comes out those 10, 15 minutes, you're ready to play, you're amped up as Indiana was tonight, but you're getting no resistance on the other end, you know, you've got to find a way to still maintain your focus and keep those good habits. And I just fear with how many games we have coming that are like this, I fear this team getting into bad habits. Well, I think this is actually where it pays off to have some talented freshmen because you can work other guys in who, look, a freshman's going to be excited to get in the game no matter what. It's a college game. It's still early in the season. They're not going to be used to just walking out there and having it work for them. So you get guys like Devontae Green and Curtis Jones in the game. You're probably going to get a higher level of focus. Um, and it's not that, you know, I don't want to... Uh, to put this out there, like these guys aren't focusing on purpose or they're taking it for granted. It's just hard to get up for a game like this. It is. It's but they nature. were up for the game. That's what I'm well, saying. They were up I, I think I think it was a methodical performance early on. I don't think this was shot out of a cannon. I think defensively, they were playing really smart and they were playing together and playing a very connected game defensively. I thought offensively, it was very methodical, which can be good. But when you're turning the ball over, uh, you know... Uh, I don't know. I just felt like it was very, a lot of guys were flat footed offensively and, and that's okay with this team because they're so good offensively that you can produce when it's like that. But at the same time, then I think that bleeds into other things. And that's how you started getting some of those turnovers later in the half. I think it was, it was more workman like than explosive and, and against a team like Liberty, you want to get up and you want to put them away early. And, uh, that, I mean, they did, but at the same time, they didn't put them away early with great habits. And, and and so, as you said, those bad habits sort of bleed into other things. And I think that's how you got those turnovers. They weren't throwing the ball into the post early. Uh, I know, again, the defense was daring you, hey, throw it down here. We've got like four guys around the post. Let's let's try it. And that's why you got Thomas Bryant turning the ball over so much. So I, I think, again, it, the best way to do that is to use the bench as a tool. And, and we've seen Tom Crean not shy about subbing guys because there's not much of a drop-off between the first and second teams. Um, and he didn't really have Juwan Morgan to use, as a, to use as a tool off the bench tonight since he started. But I, I think that's the way you have to do it is, hey, if a guy's losing focus, put his butt on the bench, you know, not as a punishment, but just talk to him get him refocused and then, you know, use the younger guys who are going to be more hyped up and amped up. So that's my perspective on it. Um, I know they had a huge lead and they played well defensively, but I just didn't feel like this team was engaged, super engaged offensively early on. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw what you did, Jared, to start where it did seem like they were really locked in. I, I even noticed like James Blackman seemed to really be in a, a little bit better stance and pressuring the ball a little bit differently early in the game. And then, uh, you know, when you look at Liberty stats coming into the game, I mean, they shoot one of their one of the top, you know, percent of their shots come from three point range. We saw that tonight and especially uh, early on when they just kept jacking up threes and um, they didn't make a lot. They're almost dead last in offensive rebounding percentage. So they didn't really, um, you know, go to the glass very well. So I think everything you saw from Liberty is kind of what you expected. Um, and then IU even it, it seemed like they would either turn the ball over or score were the were pretty much the only two. Uh, Pretty much the only two options, and so you know, with that Liberty shot so poorly, they got out ahead. Um, it's easy to fall into those habits, but yeah, I think there's got to be some kind of, you know, setting other goals within the within the game um, for for the team. And I know, um, you know, Crean talked about that last year where they had to run, uh, they had to run if they had over a certain amount of turnovers in the game. I mean, that feels like you know, do you need to get back to that point? Maybe they're already doing it. I don't really know, but. Um, you know, trying to do those kinds of things and say, you know, your opponent is yourself in some of these cases. It's not necessarily the team across from you and trying to figure that out because uh, I think if they can do that, it, it, they become that much more explosive. I mean, they, they were scoring at will. And I, I think we talked about that after the UMass Lowell game. It seemed like they could score whenever they wanted and they knew it. Um, and so if they took a bad shot or they made a bad turnover, uh, they felt very confident that they'd be able to get it back right away. And, and I agree. Um, you know, there's some good things you can take from these games like this and the ability to experiment with different lineups and um, show your team different styles and things like that. But there's also some negatives in terms of the habits that you can fall into and get away with in these games that you're not going to be able to later. Only two Hoosiers played 20 or more minutes and turned it over fewer than three times. And we are going to talk about those two Hoosiers next because they both, I thought, played very, very good games tonight. Uh, but first, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our sponsor, SeatGeek, who we're so happy to have back with us for a second season of the Assembly Call. 
Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time, as you know, as we've been talking about on these shows. Uh, it's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites seem to want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that really does make it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is the first place I go when I'm looking for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do the work. You save the time and money. And best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you get that. Download the SeatGeek app and go, and it's a free app, uh, either iOS or Android. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. I've had several people tweeting me, uh, showing me how they're using the promo code. That's awesome. Definitely do that. When you use the promo code, send us a tweet at assembly call. It's always cool to see. Uh, again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. Alrighty, well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And if you heard our opening segment, you might not realize that Indiana won by 39 points tonight. <laughs> we spent some time harping on the turnovers, and you know our tone might have sounded a little bit more negative than sometimes it is. And we come on here after a victory, and so let's go to some of the positives tonight because I thought two guys really, really stood out to me as playing really strong games. And we're going to start in reverse order of turnovers. I think that's appropriate for a night like tonight. And we're going to go to Robert Johnson. And of course, we'll let Andy lead off talking about Robert Johnson. But, you know, he only had one turnover. And we know he's been a guy the last two years that has been among the highest Hoosiers in terms of turnover rate. And he's really doing a good job early this season of limiting turnovers and of being really efficient offensively. He scored 13 points on seven shots. He had three assists. And frankly, he should have had five or six. There was one beautiful uh, bounce pass he made to Thomas Bryant that Thomas couldn't uh, 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 you know, complete the catch and, and complete the shot. But man, that was a beautiful pass. But Robert has just been rock solid. He's been setting the tone defensively. He's been really good uh, uh, offensively. Um, Andy, you're our, uh, our resident Robert Johnson expert and, uh, and number one fan. What did you think of his performance tonight? Because I thought he played really well. Yeah, it was it was another good one. It's funny in a game like tonight, you know, Blackman ended up with 20 and then there was a bunch of guys in that, you know, six to 10 point range. And then Johnson had 13. So it was a pretty balanced effort from from everybody. But I, I definitely thought he he stood out. I was shocked when he made a turnover you know, kind of mid to late second half and realized that was his first one. I assumed that everyone who had been playing longer at that point already had three. But, um, you, know, I, you know, like you said, I thought he did a good job of picking his spots. He had some really nice drives um, going to his left and getting into the lane. Uh, and it seems like he's doing a good job of balancing uh, the facilitator role, but also being able to score. And I think, you know, that was a, a question for me as, as much as a fan of his as I've been um, coming into the season of, you know, there, everybody's, you know, how do you replace Yogi? All those questions out there. And it would be easy for a guy like him uh, to really try to go too much one way or the other. And that was what made Yogi so good, you know, last year that he was able to balance those responsibilities in terms of running the offense and setting up other guys, but also um, picking his spots to score. So uh, Rojo isn't quite in that uh, in that echelon of IU players at this point, but I think he's doing a good job of uh, being able to get teammates involved taking the openings when they're there and taking smart shots. And he didn't miss a two point shot tonight, missed uh, his two misses were both in three point range, but he's, uh, he's really shooting it confidently from there as well. Uh, and if he can take good care of the basketball, uh, even on a night like tonight, when uh, you know, the, the turnovers were contagious, uh, I think that's a great sign for IU because he gives them some stability uh, at that position that they, that was definitely a question coming into the season. Once again, he was atop the list of plus minus for Indiana. And I know I mentioned on our radio show that Juwan Morgan is going to be the guy who's going to end up on every single glue guy list this season. But Robert Johnson should be, too, because he is truly a glue guy on this team. Uh, Ryan, let's talk about OG Ananobi, because, you know, we've talked about on the last couple shows how, you know, OG needs to not fall in love with being a three point shooter and really work to get the ball inside. And I thought OG was really, really good tonight offensively. He only took the one three. Uh, but I thought he was really good for the most part 
being effective off the dribble. He only had two turnovers, obviously, in a game marred by them. Uh, he had an assist. So, you know, th there was one uh, sequence of possessions in the first half where on one possession, he drove in, took a couple dribbles, and found James Blackman Jr. for a wide-open three. And then on the next position, uh, got the ball on the block, made a nice little spin move for a bucket. And I thought really showed some of his, you know, newfound, varied offensive game. Uh, and tried to do some different things, you know, almost like he was kind of working on some things. 10 points, 11 rebounds, three of them offensive, and, and the two blocks. I thought he really played a good all-around game. Yeah, and I thought he was everywhere defensively as well. I thought that this was, you know, sort of, again, a couple, and I've heard some people say, that, why isn't he scoring more? Well, I'm not sure he's going to be a guy that's going to drop 20, you know, or, or you know, he's going to be a guy who sort of fills the stat sheet. And that's what he was last year, too. I mean, this is who he is. I think that he'll be better offensively, but I'm not expecting 15 points a game from OG Ananobi. I'm expecting him to do everything you need to win a basketball game. So when you see him with 10 points, I think some people are like, oh, you know, he's being hyped as an NBA draft pick. Why isn't he scoring more? Well, because of everything else he does, that doesn't need to be part of it. Like you said, you have James Blackman Jr. scoring. You've got Robert Johnson dropped 13 tonight. You had a bunch of guys in that 6 to 10 range as well. You don't need him to score 15 points to every game. Um, but the, you know, 11 rebounds, two blocks, being everywhere. I mean, he alters so many shots that that don't show up statistically and yeah i thought it was better from him that he looked to get more to the rim we saw some nice post moves from him early on uh you know getting an easy layup i think that that's more his game than i think being a standing shooter i think that the three pointers are going to be part of what he does but he also needs to concentrate on look we've got guys who can shoot and, and he's certainly one of them but i think that his he's at his best when he's attacking the rim and and is getting easy buckets inside because with those long arms, if he jumps at all, he's going to have an easy path to the rim or he's going to get fouled. One of the two. Also, he was two of four from the free throw line needs to get better at that. We, he needs to make his free throws. Uh, we're going to harp on that for everybody this year. I think free throws are going to wind up being incredibly important for this team. And so leaders like him have to make their free throws. And, and that's something that I'm going to keep leaning on for him because he's going to go to the line a lot because he's so difficult to guard with his size and length. A couple other positives, and Andy, feel free to take any of these and expound on them. You know, we don't want to take James Blackman Jr. for granted. 20 points, you know, efficient again. He was 5 of 10 from downtown, also had nine rebounds, did have the five turnovers, um, you know, but another strong scoring night uh, from James Blackman Jr. Juwan Morgan was out there doing Juwan Morgan things. Seven points, eight boards, three of them offensive. One thing you notice about Juwan, watch the timing of his jumps when he attacks a rebound. He has impeccable timing. He's not a, a great leaper in terms of height and athletic ability, but he makes up for it with timing. Watch that because it's really impressive. I, and I, I thought... Sorry to jump in. I think he's going to lead yeah. the team in rebounding this year. I do. Yeah. I, I think that, that just... You're he's right. He's so he damn aggressive, too. And, and he's taller. He's bigger than people give him credit for because he's out there handling the ball, but he's tall, he's strong, and you're right. He has that timing thing that guys like, you know, I this is obviously not a comparison to him, but a guy like Dennis Rodman had that innate sense of when to go for the basketball. Tyler Hansborough was that way too with North Carolina. There's just some guys, I mean, I you know, I could list a million guys that had that, but those are the first two that come yeah, to mind. Yeah, but could you have chosen two that are more polar opposite than Tyler Hansborough and Dennis Rodman? Probably, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just trying to get you to imagine a combination of those two men, you know. Fuse them together imagine and you Tyler, have Juwan Tyler, Morgan. <laughs> Tyler Hansborough with all those tattoos, that would be awesome. Uh, but no, I think that he just he has that innate sense on rebounding and, and I think that uh, it shows up rarely in guys you get a couple of those guys with every you know group or, or class Noah Vonley was another guy who was great timing on rebounding as well yeah and and Andy the last guy I wanted to mention is Deron Davis I thought it was another really strong outing from him uh, six points four boards the one thing I love about Deron is he really plays with a purpose on both ends on offense he sprints down and gets in position uh, he had a couple of really nice seals tonight, one in particular where James Blackman Jr. found him with a really pretty bounce pass. Uh, his defense is good, but those are, th are three other guys who really stood out to me, Andy, uh, that I thought had strong games. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Blackman, the five turnovers uh, obviously don't look good from the box score perspective. He had those all pretty early. I want to say almost halfway through the first half, he might have already had five. So he really uh, settled in late in the second half. I think he ended up with 11 points in the first half, nine in the second. Um, and most of those nine rebounds came in the first half as well. So I thought, you know, after uh, a pretty 
a pretty ugly start from him offensively. Uh, he bounced back nicely. Uh, you guys touched on Morgan. I, yeah, I mean, Davis just continues to uh, continues to play well. I, I kind of throw in the free throws for him as well. He was 2 of 5 from the line, but uh, in, in 13 minutes, grabbed 4 rebounds, had 2 assists, continues to be a really good passer, found uh, Grant Galon on a nice uh, on a nice cut. And so, you know, I think he continues to to play well and it's really allowed them to, you know, obviously size isn't as big in some of these early season matchups. But um, you look down the down the list, Thomas Bryant only played 25 minutes. I think that's a good thing uh, for some of these games. And and a lot of guys were able to sit down. And I think that's um, well, obviously, it's easy to put in whoever you want into a game where the margin is really wide. Um, You can tell that that trust is really starting to build up with these guys and they're they're delivering. I mean, you look down the list of freshmen. Um, you know, Davis had, you know, just if we look at turnovers, you know, Davis only had one, Devontae Green only had one, he played 13 minutes, Curtis Jones only had one in 14 minutes. So, um, unfortunately, most of the culprits on the, uh, on the turnover front were not the, not the new guys, but I think that's a good sign that, uh, they're already able to step in and maybe not fall into some of the same bad habits, but I, I definitely like what I saw from Davis and the other freshmen, which we'll probably get to a little bit later. Hey, and Ryan, your boy Grant Galon came in, drained a three, and had a nice little uh, basket cut. And I think, uh, who was it? Was it Thomas Bryant that found him? Uh, or, no, Dron Davis found him with yeah. a beautiful pass. Uh, and he had a nice little reverse layup. Good, a good few minutes for Grant Galon, I thought. I, I like what Grant brings. Uh, I'm glad they're not they're not just going to redshirt him and bury him. I, I think that he it's one of those it's a situation where if injuries happen later in the year, he could be a guy who can really provide something off the bench and. You know, or for a Todd you, Leary situation in the NCAA tournament, perhaps. Sure, exactly. Yeah, anytime you can bring up Todd reference. Leary in a in a in a in a broadcast, it's great. But no, I thought it was good to get him involved, and and he looked like he just he he's another guy who just has a really good basketball sense. Um, all right, I want to talk about Thomas Bryant because I thought it was a very very uneven uh, night for Thomas Bryant. So we're going to talk about him here in just a second. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free Assembly Call membership. Uh, here are three reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. Go to assemblycall.com/join. It will take you 15 seconds. Number two, it's how you get our best content. So by joining, you receive our six banner Saturday weekly IU news roundups, as well as our detailed post game analysis emails, which we get to work on as soon as the post game show is done. And then it's also how you connect with us and with the Assembly Call community, because only members can access our moderated post game live chat and our discussion forum. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, becoming a member is the next logical step. Join us for free at assemblycall.com/join. All right. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are breaking down Indiana's 39-point victory over Liberty. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's talk about the night for Thomas Bryant. He had nine points, uh, only three rebounds on a night when Indiana had 55 rebounds and absolutely dominated Liberty. I mean, we need to we do need to talk about the rebounding at some point because Indiana's defensive rebounding percentage was 90.2 percent, uh, and they continue to be good? aggressive on the offensive glass. Is that good, Jared? I feel like that's good. Is that good? It's yeah, it's good. It was also roughly equal to their turnover percentage. So yeah, it was uh, it was very good. Uh, but you know, Thomas also had seven turnovers, several of them offensive fouls where he was just a little bit out of control. Also a couple that were horrible calls. So we do need to say that, but you know, I continue to, I have trouble evaluating Thomas in games like this is why I want to get your guys thoughts. Um, because I feel like emotion is such a big part of how he plays. And I thought, you know, he, like everybody else was really keyed up early but I feel like sometimes he struggles in these games once they become kind of a slog and they've kind of been decided. And I really kind of wish he wouldn't play so much in these games just because it always scares me that he's going to get hurt. But, you know, not a great performance from him. And yet it really doesn't concern me that much because I know as soon as the bright lights shine when against North Carolina, he's going to be perfectly fine and have a big game. So not a good performance, but yet he's probably the guy that I'm worried about the least in a game like this when he has a poor performance. Andy, what do you think about Thomas? Yeah, it was it was funny. I, I mentioned the turnovers on Twitter at one point early in the game, and uh, and somebody came back. You know, that was kind of the only thing to nitpick. And somebody came back and said, "Oh, you know, Brian only had one shot attempt at that point." And I, I think that's fair, uh, but I, I I don't know. I'm kind of like you. I, I find it hard to uh, to get as uh, as upset about that. I mean, he did only have four shot attempts, and, and two of those came from the three point line. Did get to the line four times. So you know, there were some good things there. The turnovers were. Uh, I, I felt just like trying to do too much, had some offensive fouls in there. And I think it's, I think, you know, one of the reasons Kareem talked about this a little bit after the UMass Lowell game, uh, you know, trying to, to 
make Bryant and and Deron Davis somewhat uncomfortable uh, from a defensive perspective, you know, just by having to play smaller guys. And I think that also has made him uncomfortable at times playing at smaller guys offensively when it feels like he should dominate them. Um, he's trying to do more on the perimeter. And then, you know, but this is a game when if you're really going to you know do anything, it's got to be in the post. So some of those things aren't going to work, you know, quite as well uh, against a team without much size. So just kind of a weird game. I I would agree with you that uh, it it doesn't concern me all that much. Um, And and a chance, like like I said earlier, only 25 minutes. I would go along with your argument that maybe he didn't even need to play that much. So uh, not not worried, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I think we're going to see more of that as we get into some of these other uh, games against some of the lower ranked teams on the schedule. Um, just for context, though, Liberty came in averaging uh, only nine point and an offensive rebound percentage of only nine point seven. So um, in oh, some geez. regard, in some regard. Yeah, that's one of the lower ones I think I've ever seen. Uh, and looking at this, it ranks three hundred forty eighth out of, I think, three hundred and fifty. And we gave him 9.8, so I guess that wasn't as good as I thought. Did you really yeah. have to rain on the parade, Andy? Everything was, that's just what I do, you know. So everything in many regards was just how you expected it to look. But um, no, I mean, I still think it was good. But I mean, yeah, they just had times when they just sent absolutely, literally no one. It was like, you jack up a three, the other four of us are going to run back down the court and not do anything. I mean, Ryan, like when you look at this, do you think Thomas Bryant should be going out and getting 25 points and 15 rebounds in a game like this? Or... You know, like, 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 what do you do with a performance like this in a game like this? Well, okay, part of it is the fact that Liberty did everything they could just to take him away. Let's, let's, you know, remember that because that's a big deal. I mean, they, they, the pack line defense makes it really hard to throw the ball into the post, and they basically put everyone around him and made Indiana have everyone else beat him. Uh, you'd like to see him going out and dominating, but Indiana's getting scoring, so it's not an issue, really. I mean, this is that's kind of the nature of Tom Crean's teams. Well, I mean, when it's at its best is that everybody has a piece of the action and, and you don't have to rely on one person so much. And that's actually a positive, I think, that other people can win games for you and, and put you ahead. Now, we know what Thomas Bryant is capable of. We know what he should be doing. But this was a bad game. And remember, he's still only a sophomore. He's going to have off games. It's about everybody else stepping up. And you saw them do that tonight. And, and um, you know, he only played 25 minutes. That's not, I know you kind of in a game like this would like to see him play less, Jared. But, you know, 25 is not that bad. I was surprised James Blackman Jr. played 30. Uh, but he was kind of feeling it for a little bit. And they, you know, they played, they played him a little more. But I, I think that, it, you know, it, it's not a positive. You're not exactly fired up about Thomas's performance, but it's also something to learn from and something that in film this week, he's going to get, you know, he's going to get a talking to and he's going to have to find out, you know, or figure out a way to to be better at it. And uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's something to improve on. And, and these guys should always be improving and looking for ways to improve. I thought another Hoosier that that I was interesting to see because he was in a new role. He had started a couple of games, came off the bench uh, tonight. Was Josh Newkirk, uh, and I thought really a, a poor performance from Josh. Uh, you know, th- the first thing he did when he got out there was drain a three, and I thought that was nice to see because it was the second straight game that he's looked pretty nice. Uh, you know, shooting a three pointer, but outside of that, you know, and grabbing a few rebounds. You know, he had three turnovers. He had that one really weird possession where, you know, Indiana's up 30 and he's getting into a jawing match with the Liberty guy. And I think a double technical foul was assessed. And that was kind of strange. I think he lost a tooth. So, I mean, I hope I hope that's OK. But just several possessions where, you know, he he was the guy that jumped out to me. The most obvious is having a really loose handle on the offensive end, like really going a quarter step or a half step too fast. And without much of a purpose, too, which is, you know, a, a little bit frustrating. So, Andy, your thoughts on Josh, who, you know, so far this season, you know, kind of up and down uh, the performances that we've seen from him. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I thought it was pretty uneven. Uh, you know, the the jawing match with the guy at that point, it just seemed like he was trying to commit a foul for some reason. I mean, he bumped him once. And they didn't call anything. They bumped him again and kind of got into it with him. Just didn't really uh, it didn't really make sense to me. And, and he, he just seems to be. Uh, overthinking almost everything. It, it feels like we talked about this with the shot at times that you can just tell he's kind of thinking his way through, you know, taking the shots. It, it feels like when you look at him sometimes, like just nothing is coming naturally uh, to him. And so uh, I, I think that's, I, you know, I don't know if it's concerning at this point, but uh, I, I think we've yet to figure out what exactly his role is on the team for a guy who's probably going to play a lot of minutes, maybe more than a lot of the, the other freshmen 
Um, but you've also got him, you know, sliding into the mix with guys who uh, have a, a bit more defined roles and a bit more defined contributions. And I think it's, you know, maybe he's just struggling to figure out, am I the defensive stopper? Am I the point guard? Uh, you know, am I the penetrator? Like what, what are all the things that he can, he can really do? And I think he's struggling a little bit to, to sort all that out. At least it seems that way to me. Um, I think he'll be able to make contributions, but it, it feels like he's kind of in his own head a little bit at this point. Yeah. And to a certain extent, that's to be expected. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that we knew would be a struggle for this team early on is a lot of guys in new roles, kind of shuffling that juggling that, you know, it's, it's going to take a little while for those roles to figure out. And, and just because Indiana beat Kansas, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect. That is so nice. You know, it kind of, it, it, it adds a tint of sunshine to everything that happens, but there are still obviously issues with this team and that's totally fine. It's early in the season. So it's really nice to be able to come on here and kind of feel like we're talking about guys struggling and maybe even being a little bit negative in tone. And Indiana has a win over Kansas in their back pocket. They're in the top five and they won by 39 points tonight. So that's a good spot to be in a really good spot. A uh, few guys that we haven't touched on that I want to get to before we get to last call. Uh, first off, I want to commend Freddie McSwain Jr. for not taking a field goal or, or shooting a field goal attempt tonight. Uh, came in, got a couple of rebounds, uh, did go to the free throw line, but you know, had those nine shots against UMass Lowell, which sent his usage rate through the roof. So that will normalize a little bit. Uh, although I thought he struggled at defense and got exposed for being over-aggressive defensively. Uh, a couple shot fakes got him out of position. Um, and, and if he's going to come in and be a defensive stopper hustle guy, he can't be a big hole on defense that people can just attack. So that's going to be something to watch for. And then, you know, Ryan, I, I thought Devontae Green really made an impression on me when he got in there. Didn't play a ton of minutes, uh, but got in there. And as soon as he gets on in the game, and I've noticed this every time he's gotten in, he goes in and just puts pressure on the ball. He, he really digs in defensively, puts pressure on the ball, also completed a beautiful alley-oop from Curtis Jones. Uh, and, I mean, he's a short guy, Devontae Green, but he's shown us these last couple of games. He's got some ups, some real athletic ability, and I think that bodes well for his future. So I thought he did some nice things tonight too. Yeah, and his athleticism is there. It didn't really show up much on tape in, in his high school tape. Uh, he's much more athletic than he looked. Uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to see him in person uh, when he became an Indiana recruit, but but he really has some athleticism. And you're right. That's the one thing about him you can always rely on if he's going to miss a shot, if he's going to do whatever. doesn't matter. That kid will play defense and and will be engaged defensively. And, and that has happened every time he's been on the floor. You've seen that. The intensity picks up. Um, and I think that with with Curtis Jones and he, you're starting to see them sort of develop where they can both be on the floor tonight, um, or, or both be on the floor. And you saw that tonight. Uh, they can be on the floor together, and Tom Creek can trust them as freshmen to be out there together and run the offense and and sort of keep the team engaged and and correctly paced and all that stuff. Uh, which is that shows a lot of confidence in those two guys. Um, but they're both they seem like they both kind of have mature games, and and they're not all about just jacking up shots and and um you know scoring points they're about moving the ball and and uh and being engaged on both ends of the floor and that's that's a huge positive considering they're freshmen and considering that's indiana's future backcourt so um you've got to feel confident after seeing the way they've played together and separately when they've been in the game over these first three games yeah i think mcswain i would echo what you said jared he you know, fouled the one guy on a three-pointer. There were a couple other times he helped off and, and his guy got shot. So I think it just, you know, we talked about how raw he really was. Uh, really good athlete coming out, but, you know, a, a guy who's got a lot to learn from a basketball perspective. So these are the kinds of games that are good for him to get experience in. Um, I, I would agree with Green. I, I thought he did a really good job. Got to the free throw line a few times, a couple assists, just the one turnover. And really, um, you know, kind of takes up for I think Robert Johnson tends to be the guy who really pressures the ball uh, when he's in the game and I think it's good to be able to have a, a guy that you can bring in off the bench that's going to provide the same uh, Curtis Jones you know only one of five from the floor but I, I thought played fairly well made all four of his free throws so getting Ryan's good graces for that and uh, you know a couple assists there so I thought those guys all continue to make good contributions and for as much as we can lament what these games are and are not it does represent a good opportunity for these guys to get minutes uh for them to to play with different combinations and and see what really works so uh you know i think that's a positive for those guys i think they all continue to show show uh show some good things and and they can do that in short spurts during games that are going to be a little closer and uh and more competitive than this one but you know for now to give them some extended minutes is i don't think there's anything bad that comes from that 
So let me ask you guys a question. Uh, obviously, we've talked about how many of these non-conference games Indiana has against sub-250 competition. What, what would be the harm? Let's say this Mississippi Valley State game that's coming up. Michigan State just beat them by 50 points. Indiana's played them a couple of times. We know how this ends. You know, we talked about how important getting minutes in games like this it, uh, will be for McSwain. Why not just start the freshman in McSwain and Deron Davis and let them play, you know, 28, 30 minutes in a game like this. Let the starters maybe come in for eight to 10 minutes, you know, get a little run coming off the bench as a bench guy. Why not try that in a game like this? In, in um, one of these games? Because those starters have earned those spots, I think. Uh, I think that it's... Uh, and also, you get those guys used to being on the floor at the beginning of the game when there's no pace, you know, nothing to pick up. You get that group that you have. I mean, I know that Tom Crean changes... just one game. There's, I, like, I there's eight of these. Hey. Let me finish. These are college kids. <laughs> Thomas Bryant's earned the right to start. James Blackman Jr. has earned the right to start. Robert Johnson has earned the right to start. The, it matters to them. It matters to them to have their names in the sheet, to have their names called out over the over the PA, to go out there, do their chest bump, you know, whatever. That stuff matters to them. And okay. it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And, and I've always said, in an, especially in an important game, it doesn't matter who starts, it matters who finishes, who's on the floor at the end, who's the most important guys you need in a crunch time. But to these guys, that 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 is sort of a status symbol, and it does matter to them. And it might be stupid, I get it, but you know what? You don't want to disrupt the rhythm of that. I mean, these guys who start are on the floor, they know each other, they're working together. You need to get them ready to be doing that a bunch during the season. No, now, okay, I, agree. I, I, don't, I don't think it's stupid. I think that's fine. Let them start, but why not let the other guys play 25, 30 minutes? Now, that I'm fine with. Yeah. But I think the starting is an important designation. Yeah, these let, guys... let them start. I agree with that. Okay. Keep that the same, but then as soon as you start making your first substitutions, kind of do it a little bit differently and let those other guys get 25, 30 minutes and get them you know, used to it in case they have to do that later this year. I can see them getting over getting over 20. I don't mean to cut you off, Andy. I'll, I'll let you in in just a second. I promise. This is me ranting here. Uh, I'm on a roll. Just let me go. <laughs> yeah, because Ryan is controlling things here. Uh, no, but I, I think that I can see them getting over 20 minutes, but let's also remember that some of these guys haven't played together before very much. So... Um, you're still working through this isn't this isn't a, a team that has yogi leading it so you're still getting those guys used to their roles and everything so i think that that's detrimental a little bit is taken away from that but i could definitely see giving these guys like 20 minutes maybe a little more and maybe as we get further into this we will but right now i think that right that the way tom cream looks at it is right now we're gearing up for north carolina then after that we're going to be gearing up for butler then we're going to be gearing up for louisville so this isn't seen as like a one long preseason thing these are short to the big games at least that's how i see him doing it that's a good point yeah i think I mean, from my perspective my argument against playing those guys all together would be what is the scenario at which you're going to actually do that in the regular season so to me these games are yeah there's a lot of things you can do to prepare but i, I would much rather they play more minutes but getting some different combinations with them and the other guys who they might actually play with in the season i mean if we get to a spot this year we're in a big 10 game those five are on the floor together. Something has probably gone terribly wrong or the people who officiated the Kansas game have shown back up and Frank Mason has transferred into the Big Ten uh, onto Wisconsin playing at the Kohl Center and everyone, and literally everyone has found Damn out. Damn it, those another Kohl Center mention. How many shows in a row are we going to do with one of those? Just, I mean, let, let, let's be honest here. It's kind I'm of just our trolling thing. Ryan. I'm just trolling Ryan. Point. It's, it's kind of it's kind of my thing. Dude. It's like I mean, Kenny you know, dying even, in South Park. Like it has to happen <laughs> once every episode. Yes, exactly. So I mean, so that that's my biggest argument against it is there's not really a purpose in playing those five guys together for large chunks of time because that won't really happen. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to see them get some more uh, you know combinations, whether it's playing the freshman guards with the you know starting big guys or you know mixing and matching things that way. I'm all for that. Uh, particularly in a game like that. And, and you know, Kareem talked about after the UMass Lowell game wanting to see different combinations, things like that. I think we just need to see more of it, quite honestly, um, uh, or more extended minutes with those guys playing uh, with different people. So that I, that's, I guess, where I would I would sit it. But I agree with what Ryan said about the, you know, the way the schedule lays out. You've got a few of these in between each of these, uh, in between each of the bigger games. So I think it gives you chances to work on some certain, certain things and kind of break it up into chunks of uh, bad games and, and good ones. All right, well, I'm glad I posed that question because you both made great points and you convinced me. So excellent. You can drop that in the Tom Crean suggestion box whenever you want and just throw <laughs> that out there. Call into the radio show under an assumed name from a small town in southern Indiana. This seems like a great idea. <laughs> 
Oh, yes. All right. So, hey, before we go to last call, one more quick reminder that a great way to support the Assembly Call is by ordering your official Assembly Call t-shirt from HoosierProud.com. I just saw a mention on Facebook. Uh, Scott, one of our audience members, ordered his Assembly Call t-shirts. They showed up, so he showed me a picture of it. They look fantastic. Uh, And you can find those shirts at HoosierProud.com. So go there. Uh, You can check out our shirts. Check out uh, their entire selection of unique, stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love. And don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off. It's not just the shirts, the assembly call shirts. It's your entire order at HoosierProud.com, 15% off. It's a really, really generous deal uh, that they're giving to assembly call audience members. So take them up on it. Um, And again, that URL is HoosierProud.com. All right. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are wrapping up tonight's show, talking about Indiana's 87 to 48 demolition of Liberty tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Uh, And let's... uh, Let's go to last call. Let's get some final thoughts on this uh, on this performance. And uh, Ryan, we will go to you first and make sure that we let you finish before we transition over to Andy. Yeah, seriously, guys, it's just rude to cut people off. I mean, I would never do that. I, I, I mean, when have I ever done that on this show? Uh, I, look, in the end, this was a 39-point victory over a team they were supposed to beat by about this much. I think it was a successful night but you also come out of it with a lot to work on. And and that's never a bad thing early in the season to come out with, with stuff you can show on tape, say, hey, look, we won, but here's where the problems are, and this is what we need to work on. And so there's things they need to focus on, you know, over the next few days before the next game and, and, you know, especially leading into that North Carolina game, which I think is going to be a a real test and maybe will show you how they've improved or, or stayed the same since the Kansas game. So, um, that's going to be a proving ground is going to be playing that North Carolina team that is looks very good. So again, a night like this, it's what you expect um, kind of, you know, up and down positives and negatives, but that's what film is for. And that's what practice is for. And, and, you know, it's early in the season. So we're, we're still building. I mean, this is a team that as was shown last year, the time to judge a team is, is usually to start judging a team is late December when you start, about to hit conference so it's still a work in progress and uh you know we'll, we'll see how much they've progressed when the next time they play andy last call um you know i i think the good thing it, we say this after most of these games nobody got hurt that's good uh, we did have a guy lose a tooth and i think og twisted his ankle a little bit but other yeah, than that is, i think is og okay max actually had a funny line he said og's not hurt he just got a pebble or a rock in his shoe <laughs> yeah i mean everything everybody said you know he was smiling talking to you know tim garl and and things like that so i think everything there will be fine uh you know but i'm looking forward to the game against fort wayne it, it does give them a, a road game i'm not sure it's how much of a road game it's going to feel like uh, there will certainly be a lot of iu fans there the tickets sold out quickly but uh i think a cool thing to do you know to let IU fans in a different part of the state be able to more uh, easily come to a game and and I think that'll be be fun and, and IPFW is really or I guess Fort Wayne now is the only team that kind of falls in that middle ground we, we talk so much about these big four games and all the other teams that are terrible um, they're the one team on the non-conference schedule that's that's a little bit in that middle area uh, and so they're you know should should uh, compete for their league championship so we'll be a, a, a stiffer test I think than what we saw you know, in these last couple of games and we'll give, uh, you know, IU another chance to hopefully get a road win under their belt, uh, which I think is a good, you know, building block for the rest of the season. And uh, so hopefully they come out and play well. I think uh, it, it's funny to think back. We spent so much of the early part of the show talking about how frustrating the turnovers were and, and they were frustrating. Um, but it, it was very much a kind of like I said, feast or famine. It was all or nothing. I mean, when the offense was clicking, it was uh, a thing of beauty and they could score whenever they wanted to from almost wherever they wanted to on the floor. So, uh, you know, it's easy to lose sight of that because I think expectations after that Kansas win have gotten to a really good point. But, uh, you know, a lot of good things did happen tonight, whether that be individually or as a team. Uh, I think if they can clean up the turnovers, it's something really to just watch for in these games coming up and uh, see if they can improve in that area. And if they can, uh, that bodes really well for how they'll fare in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have to hope that the 34.5% turnover rate uh, that Indiana uh, put out there tonight, that that is the the high point, or I guess the low point, depending on how you look at it, of the season. Um, because I thought outside of that, the Hoosiers showed a lot of good things tonight. I think we started, we talked in the offseason about how this may be a more defensive-driven team than we've seen in the last couple of years. And I think one thing we've learned through these first couple of games is the offense is still going to be fine. I mean, there's no Yogi, there's no Max, there's no Troy, there's no Nick, but there are still plenty of guys who can put the ball in the basket. And so if, if Indiana obviously just values possessions at a 
at, at some kind of normal rate, they're going to score a lot of points. Um, and, and Liberty is no great offensive team, so it's not exactly you know some kind of great bar to measure against holding them you know down. But still, Indiana came out and dominated tonight on defense, and that's what Indiana should do. Uh, and I think you know we saw Juwan Morgan start tonight, and, and I don't know if that is something that will that we'll start to see in the future uh, with, you know, and then moving Josh Newkirk into to kind of that sixth man role. But I do think as we move forward, Indiana's best lineup is going to be Robert Johnson, James Blackman, Jr., OG, Juwan, and Thomas Bryant. Because when you have those five guys on the floor, there are three plus, possibly plus, plus defenders out there with Robert, uh, who can really, you know, harass any anybody in the backcourt, and then OG and Juwan, who can guard basically all five positions. Uh, and, and we know that Thomas and James are limited defensively, but when you have those three guys with them, it really helps to compensate for some of their limitations. And I think that lineup is terrific. So it'll be interesting to see if Juwan settles in there as a starter or if he goes back to a sixth-man role. Um, but I do think that is Indiana's best lineup. Um, and, and I just think you saw tonight the tone that those guys set defensively when they went out there together uh, is something I think Indiana fans can really look forward to because whether they that lineup starts or they end up playing together and finishing a lot of games, I think they're going to be dynamite this year. Uh, and we saw a little piece of that tonight. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Assembly Call. We will be back, of course, after Indiana's next game, which is Tuesday, the 22nd. It is against Fort Wayne. That is a 9 o'clock Eastern tip, I believe, 8 o'clock Central Time tip. That game will be on the Big Ten Network. Uh, should be a really interesting game. James Blackman Jr. going back home to Fort Wayne. Uh, a true road game for Indiana. So for a lot of reasons, this is this is one of the more interesting non-conference games. So it should be a good one. Mark your calendars, watch the game, and then join us afterwards for the Assembly Call IU postgame show because we will be here ready to break down the game. Uh, and we look forward to it, and we will talk to you then. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.